now we're recording, so we can all stop talking. I love that you bring that up every time. I don't. Usually it's not me. Usually it's Tim who brings it up, but this time. We haven't haven't had this problem in a few weeks. No. no, it's usually because we kind of like get going and then I kind of record while you guys aren't paying attention and then it, it works out pretty well. I should have done that again, but <laughs> I'm tired. It's early again. We keep doing these like 11 o'clock in the morning things. I know, but I, I like it because then we like we're here, we're awake. We're not like you're awake. I'm awake. You're awake. Yeah. <laughs> Mark I'm and I are caffeinating. Yeah. yeah. I have not caffeinated yet. I yeah, should. I'm definitely. I'm still caffeinating. I am currently so. caffeinating. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. All right, let's let's call that sufficient preamble then, and uh, we'll <laughs> welcome everybody back to Dance Robot Dance, our 114th episode. We have our usual crew here with us. I'm Tim. I'm going to be hosting this week. We've got Christy. Hello. And we've got Mark. How's it going, guys? Ah, doing pretty good. It's been a long week. I've had like three weeks of travel the last uh, three weeks, and this is finally it for the next couple of weeks at least. So nice. I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks just staying at home. How about you guys? Oh, it's been a long week, like a long, like <laughs> torturous, arduous week. Hence the grindy post Alice and Chains Jerry Cantrell record is <laughs> what I'm trying to get out here. You're exercising some work demons. demons yeah, kind of demons. Basically, yeah, a little bit. So how about you, Christy? Yeah. Um, it's been good, insane, just because it's the film festival for work is starting soon. And mm. we have, it's like besides TIFF, we're one of the bigger film festivals in Southern Ontario around like it for the year. So I'm doing all the social media for it. And it took a really long time to actually get started because we only did our opening night the last two nights. So I had to be at work until like eight thirty nine 9 o'clock the last few nights. So that and just like it's trying to find like the energy to post sometimes. I'm just like, ah, so it's been a bit grueling too. a little grueling. I think sounds like we're all pretty busy work wise the last uh, last few weeks or so. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, Well, then before we all check out and and get stressed out over work stuff, it's Saturday morning. So let's go over nerdy news stuff. Mm hmm. I'm going to go, well, first let's get depressed. Well, not really depressed, but there is one, there was one sort of major death this week that I feel like we should acknowledge. Gary Kurtz, who was Lucas's producing partner uh, very early in his career, passed away this week at the age of 78. So he was the producer on American Graffiti and then on both Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it had a big hand in Empire Strikes Back too, from uh, all the scuttlebutt that goes around, like especially post his death there's a lot of talk about like very influential on making empire strikes back the movie that it was so mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i mean uh and i mean producing obviously has a massive impact on the actual like movie getting on how it actually gets visualized and stuff like that and how the resources are used so uh i think that uh his mark is definitely felt on those early star wars movies for sure yeah that's a that's a hard thing like that's such a big part of your childhood it's yeah. hard to let someone like that go. Uh, and then uh, we did get a we got a couple of trailers this week. Or uh, the biggest one was probably um, the X Men Dark Phoenix trailer that was I, I would say pretty well received overall. Yeah, you said it wrong. First of all, there's no X Men on top of it. Oh, it's just Dark, Dark Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, I don't know why they're doing that, but they're cutting the X Men out of it. Maybe they're oh. trying to make people forget about the Apocalypse movie. Oh fuck yeah! 
Well, that's that's their big. That would be the big uphill battle for them with me at this point. Is like the 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 main X Men movies have been pretty inconsistent since. Well, uh, I mean, uh, First Class and Days of Future Past were both solid movies, so I think they're batting like you know two out of three currently on that series. Well, what was the one right before that X three? So I mean, like really, like the series as a whole has always been kind of hit or miss. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm well, hopefully they'll have a chance to course correct or to uh, to yeah, re envision X three in this version of the movie because I thought the trailer looked pretty good overall. I did. I agree. I completely agree. The trailer looked pretty good. There is an announcement this week that are already today that they have pushed that back from that February release date into the June of that year. So yeah, which is which is a hard one to interpret because it's hard to know whether that's like hey things are fucked up and we need to fix it or whether it's like, Hey, let's give it a better release date since the trailer got a pretty good reception or whatever. I heard it got a huge, a huge reception. It got a big reception in China and that's why they're going back and doing a bunch of recuts. Like they want to recut Mm -hmm. for that market. Cause, and also that's the reason for the pushback was from what I've gleaned from my Reddit diving is the Chinese market really enjoyed that trailer and they're cutting it to, I guess they're kind of reshooting and cutting to, appease that market more so than mm-hmm. anything else because they got a release date in that market in june so whatever yeah but yeah i, I mean know, that that is a massive market um in some cases larger than the american market especially these comic book movies especially have been no it's not it's, well in China. it's not just the comic book movies they like garbage they like transformers movies like those are the ones that do the best is like the, yeah. the biggest action garbage movies do super well in china because they don't require like you don't have to understand the language of what's going on you can just watch the spectacle and that's what yeah does well everything so. everything except star wars apparently it was star wars a lot of dialogue you got to understand what's going on to get the context a lot of the time no, the, star wars, but the like, issue was i think that the original star wars movies weren't aired when they first came out in china oh interesting okay They're, i can't remember why i think it was just because of the time period like they were still semi under communist rule and they were well they're still communist rule right so yeah but i mean like really yeah like the stringent like, stringent yeah and so they they weren't letting very much western media over at all at that point and so it didn't really have that i mean obviously they probably came they came over later but they didn't have that like same resonance same phenomenon as they did but yeah that's a tangent yeah so x-men dark phoenix looks looks like it could be pretty good i don't know the trailer looks good like i still maintain like the best parts of those movies now are mcavoy and fassbender and like what they showed in the trailer i was like i'll go and see it just because those two guys are still doing this stuff like those those two guys are solid like through and through in all of the movies I think in general they're casting pretty well still, even if like the stories might have been hit or miss. I'm not overly fond of like the current crop of X Men. Like there's, I don't find anybody stands out in that grouping of kids right now. Like except for Sophie Turner, just because we know her from Game of Thrones. Like if you didn't, Evan know her Peters from Game of Thrones, is Quicksilver is pretty yeah. solid. True, true, true. But like, do you really is he part of the core X Men? I guess he kind of is now. Like they're kind of forcing him into it, but he wasn't yeah. really like part of the core group. Yeah. Beforehand, yeah. right? So. No, but I like the guy that got playing Beast. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty happy with like, Jennifer um, Lawrence Holt? as Mystique. See, Nicholas Holt. Yeah, I think that's yeah. He just loves playing the role so much. I think, like, I think he just likes being involved so much. Like, he dorks out for this stuff a lot. It makes him very endearing. Jennifer yeah. Lawrence, on the other hand, I'm like she's sleepwalking through all these movies and has been since days of past. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and I mean, Sophie Turner is well cast. At least they just haven't oh, yeah, given yeah, her yeah. too much to do yet. So it'll be interesting to see her like really have a chance to let loose because I mean, she's when she does get a chance to let loose in game of Thrones, she does some really awesome yeah. stuff. 
I'm not arguing that anybody's good. I just feel like I just feel like I don't have any investment in these in this group of X Men yet. Yeah. Like they just kind of transition them over, and they spend so much time like, oh, this is us transitioning from the old team that you love that has Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen mm-hmm. in it to this new group. We're like, and the first movie that was just this new group with Apocalypse was pretty dog shit. So now I'm coming yeah. into this next movie and it's like basically the end of this franchise, right? Like this is, this has got to be the last movie. I mean, I knew mutants will come out eventually, but like the ties yeah. into this universe, this has got to be the end. So like yeah. how invested are you at this point? Yeah. Something well, I mean, I'm going to go see it because it's a, an X-Men movie, but it's still like, <laughs> I have a weird feeling about it. I haven't <laughs> seen the last few actually, to be perfectly honest. You have you seen any of the ones that has, have had uh, McAvoy and Fassbender, Christy? I saw the first one. So you saw First Class, but you didn't see yeah. Days of Future Past, or well, you didn't miss much. With oh no, I did see Days of Future Past. That's a lie. Okay, I saw Days just, of Future Past. Then you Days just of Future Past was solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why when everyone's like, "These are the worst," I was like, "Um, you know, I, I, I don't mind it." Yeah, I think everybody's I just mind. like, "We want them in the MCU now." I think is where everybody's kind of at. So it's just like mm-hmm. we're yeah. now we're just waiting for this shit to kind of get out of the way and like see what Kevin Feige does with these franchises going forward. I think. Future, like, especially with nerd culture, what's coming next is way more enticing than what is happening right now. So I think that's definitely got a factor in how these X-Men movies are being treated or, like, talked about online or with, like, by people like us, like, people like yeah. me, especially where I'm just like, yeah, great. Like, they're doing another one. Can we just fucking get this over with and move on to the point where it's all integrated into the bigger universe that I want it to be? Because, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm just over it now. So you're not really pumped for the the Gambit movie that uh, is apparently going to have a romantic comedy vibe? That's that Ooh. movie's never that movie is never happening. I've been seeing this for like five years. They've been talking about it for five years. It is never fucking happening. Like yeah, as soon as Marvel takes over, they're gonna be like, no, that movie's done. That movie's gone. and crush. Yeah. yeah, I I I mean, I'd love to see a Gambit movie. I don't want to see one. I don't want to see a fucking Channing Tatum Gambit nope. movie. Nope, definitely Two. don't want to see that. And two, I don't want to see a fucking romantic comedy Gambit movie. Excuse me, him and Rogue running around being what? Doing what? Like, are they going to get Anna Paquin Not back? touching each other. And is it going to is it going to be like what's that fucking show she was on? True Blood. True Excuse Blood. Me, True Blood in the X Men universe. I guess. Like, I don't. Yeah. No, I don't want any of that. <laughs> With Channing Tatum, yeah. like the guy can like I, he's funny as fuck, but he cannot really act like. Actually, I disagree with you. I think he just needs. He's one of those people that can't play every role, but he plays mm. some roles really well. I don't. Whenever he, do, he plays comedies, he kills it. But I'm like, I've never seen him in a serious role where I'm like, yeah, I'm fine with that. It's always like, yeah, yeah he he doesn't know what's going on here. It's it's terrifying to watch. But yeah. those cop movies, whichever the what the are those Twenty One Jump Street, Twenty One Jump Street movies, fucking brilliant. So yeah. funny, so funny. In other Disney media trailers, uh, I'm guessing you guys probably didn't see this. I didn't even notice it until I was sort of actively looking for news uh, last night. But uh, they released a sort of three minute trailer slash sneak peek for the new star wars tv series oh uh, star wars resistance and it looks pretty fucking cool like there's a lot of like space battles and like x-wing tie fighter battles and stuff like that in it is that the one with all the cell shaded stuff yeah it's it's three style and it's got a lot of the characters from the new movies like uh general leia is in it um uh, fucking Oscar Isaac's character, Poe Dameron, uh, is in it. Um, yeah, so it looks like it's. I mean, it does look. You know, it's an animated series. It's going to be geared a little bit more towards kids, but uh, it looks. I, I'm definitely going to watch it. It looks pretty fucking cool. Gwendolyn Christina is Captain Phasma. Oh, nice. So you, uh, you've watched all those Star Wars animated shows, though. You're like right into that shit. So. Yeah, I, I've never like. I wouldn't say that I like. 
am a huge fan of those. Like I, I especially Clone Wars had like some real fucking downtime to it. But Rebels overall was pretty good. They're not like series that I put on and like, oh my god, I need to watch this super intently. Mm-hmm. Which I'm pretty sure, like Eric, for instance, probably watches those all like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. just with a bowl of popcorn in front, like just staring intently at it. They're shows that I like put on just in the background kind of thing. I remember he knew he was always trying to get me to watch those. He knew like everything about everything, and I was like, wow, that's. I mean, I'm not that invested in Star Wars. I don't need to watch these shows, but yeah. that's awesome. That like it's giving you guys that much context. Cause that's what I've always felt is lacking with star Wars is that, like the world is cool, but there's not enough of it to like really figure it out without it's hard to get mental reading. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you more like more background. And yeah. So these series, yeah, exactly. These series give you more background. So I'm like, this is, that's kind of cool. If you're like big into it, I think it might just be a little bit past like deep diving into the star Wars world now. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, I really, I really enjoy Star Wars, and I can recognize I'm one of those people that can enjoy it on a bit of a shallower level. Like, yeah. I don't need to know everything to still call myself a fan. Yeah. But um, at the same time, if it's like a show that I, I hear is really, really good, then I'll, I'll like hitch on that wagon. But before that, I probably wouldn't make it a priority. Yeah, yeah like I totally went back and like YouTubed all the Darth Maul showing up. Yeah, in I was going to say whatever show it was like that yeah. kind of stuff. I'll go look at, but like I'm not watching like episodes and episodes and episodes just to catch those little bits of context that i want to see for whatever like a, a bit part in solo or whatever yeah. so yeah i'm sure there's a lot of people right now that are over the past like few months that have been going back and and just digging up those uh those darth maul episodes of clone yeah. wars and rebels just to get that context and be like whoa 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 how the fuck did this guy come back to be fair that story was pretty cool like yeah. from what i what i like the the synopsis that i watched i was like this is fucking pretty badass like they did a pretty good job of it i'm just like what else was intercut in there that i would have wanted to like yeah exactly you fill me in like how did he come back uh it's like a quick quick synopsis so he essentially ended up on i think it was was it tatooine i think so yeah well no because they yeah he goes back to tatooine i think yeah yeah he he basically uh ends up on tatooine in i can't remember how how they get made but with like these arachnid like uh, robotic legs kind of thing and he's been like severely traumatized by being fucking dissected yeah, uh, by, by Obi-Wan. And, uh, and so he's just like wandering the desert, like kind of like a counterpart to Obi-Wan, like as this mm-hmm. sort of like crazy hermit. And then eventually gets found by, I think one of his brothers and the, and this like council of like witches that are all part of his species. I can't remember the name of the species off the top of my head, but Molly. Uh, sure. Let's go with that. And uh, and they basically like restore his mind, and then he sort of actively starts like fucking with the rebels and stuff again, and then starts like going after Obi Wan as like vengeance for what Obi Wan did to him. And they have this like in Rebels, which is later on. They have uh, which Rebels set place right before Episode Four. Maul and Obi Wan have this big showdown on Tatooine, and that's kind of the short version. Yeah. Okay. The showdown on Tatooine is pretty badass, though. That yeah. that much, uh, like it. That they did a really good job of that bit. That was cool as fuck. So. Yeah. But uh, Christy, this is one you might need to give us some context on. Mm-hmm. The final Fantastic Beast trailer came out and teased a character reveal that Nagini. Is Nagini, and some parts of the internet are not happy about that, and I'm not well, sure if that's justified or not. I actually haven't seen the trailer, but I saw the news about it. But I heard that people are upset that she's 
Asian. Yeah, basically what it comes down to is, uh, is it? yeah, uh, Korean, I think, oh, uh, Korean. The, the actress. Um, so Nagini is, correct me if I'm wrong, the one that ends up as basically a horcrux for Voldemort later on, right? He ends up being yeah. the, the basilisk. No, no, no. The basilisk is the basilisk is different. The basilisk is the beast in the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Nagini is the snake. That His pet snake. Oh, okay. Always close to him. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really. That's kind of cool that it's like giving context to a fantastic beast. So wait, yeah. the that snake was a person before. It's, it's apparently a maledictus, which is a basically evil version of an animagus. So an animagus is someone who can change their form. Yeah, yeah. Right? So like serious yeah. with the dog and everything. Um, but I'm not sure about that lore, to be honest, because um, that uh, when I saw that, I was like, wait, what? Huh? Oh, okay. Well, JK apparently clarified it on Twitter, as she is wont to do retconning her yeah, stories through social media. <laughs> which is, Which is, I mean, fine, but like. What's the actually I don't understand. my friend um, Rose and I had a debate about this and she swayed me at first. I was like, it's OK if you retcon all this stuff because it's your universe. But then Rose made a good point. She's like, it's your universe. But at the same time, when you say all of these things are retconning, you're kind of doing yourself an injustice as an author because you're saying, well, anything that the fans <laughs> want, the fans get. And like it doesn't give you a lot of rules. Yeah, fair enough. It's it's too it's it's hard to give much weight to the world when it can be changed so easily at any second. Yeah. 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 Okay, I'm still confused though. So, so Malad fucking snake was a, a person. A maledictus. This is from the uh, Harry Potter wikia. Maledictus is a female individual who is a carrier of a blood curse that eventually turns her into a beast permanently. Oh, so, so yeah. Nagini. That's really fucking dark for this world. Like for a kids. No, it's not kids anymore. Really. Fantastic. Okay, Beasts fair, is like fair. reaching it's, like yeah. you have to be 13, 13, 14. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But that's that's a cool bit to actually put in, I think. But it also changes the story of Nagini in the other movies, mm-hmm. like to give her a human like counterpart. Yeah. yeah. That's like fucked up. Yeah. Because they don't really they don't mention it in the in the other novels. At not all. at all. And that's oh. probably because. Like, it's interesting that she's in this and she becomes connected to Voldemort, which is something that they might reveal because this is all about crimes of Grendelwald. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the the real issue here that people are having with the casting is that like now it's like one of two females or yeah, women of color in the franchise. And she's like this malevolent, evil character or whatever. And I guess it's just a matter of people getting like upset that, you know, hey, we have an evil character. Let's make them another race kind of thing. You know what though? Make them I alien hear wh- or, or other yeah. or whatever. I, guess I hear their argument. I hear it. But at the same time, I don't think that, you know, you have to see it before you judge it because yeah. sure. She could be like an evil creature or, you know, beast, whatever. But at the same time, it's not about, this is where it goes beyond. Like, is it about the casting of the race or is it about the casting of the person? Was she just the right person for the part? Is this like, it, was she actually once good and has been like turned like it's yeah. just not stuff that we know yet so i'm open to waiting but at the same time i'm not a person of color so we're in a difficult time to be really to be anybody at this point because everyone has an opinion of what's right and what's wrong and what's a misinterpretation yep i agree it's it's i think it's too early to call on this one so we'll see how it yeah. goes it could be a really cool interesting 
you know, characters yeah. with a lot of depth. So they could be giving like a lot of power to this, you know, to a femme fatale. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I think people are just very quick to jump on the internet. They're very quick. There's a mob mentality. We've seen it before. We'll see it again. Yeah. The next one I'm pretty fucking excited about. So uh, the DC TV shows have been uh, doing a pretty good job with these crossovers the last couple of years. And they've announced the name and a couple of the details of the next one, which is uh, going to be uh, Elseworlds. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, so these uh, Elseworlds, for those that aren't uh, DC fans, are basically imaginary stories or like alternate universe kind of stories. Um, and there have been some really cool ones over the years. It's something I think that sometime Mark and I should do like a two-man episode on. Some of those yeah. imaginary stories I think would be fun. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like more than like four that I've read though is the problem. I'm sure I've read lots. It's just it's been a long time since they were like an active yeah. imprint kind of thing. So yeah. I remember back in the day, like picking up like Gotham by Gaslight and like Gaslight and Speed and Bullet and Red Sun, Kingdom Come, even as a Elseworld labeled story. But yeah, yeah, like there's definitely there's definitely books that I picked up. There were Elseworld stories, but it's been a long time. I'd have to go and look at the list and like grab a couple and reread them before we did that. But yeah, it sounds like it would be fun to do. Maybe that's yeah. a, like a, a Patreon bonus episode we can do at some point yeah. down the road. So apparently these this crossover, all of these Arrow and Supergirl and Flash characters are going to uh, go to an adventure in Gotham City, potentially in a different sort of universe or something, where, and that's where they're going to encounter the a new Batwoman by played by Ruby Rose. There's still no word on whether they're going to actually put the bat in there proper, like and actually put yeah. Batman in, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Curious. Curious. Uh, and then another uh, sort of really iconic or, or uh, longstanding DC sort of, uh, and Marvel has their watchers kind of thing. Uh, DC yeah. has the monitors, very similar in name, but uh, apparently the monitor is going to feature in this series as well. So I'm. Yeah, I saw that. Like they're going real cosmic with this this time. I'm like, this is a little. Like multiversal kind of thing. I don't know how I feel about the arrow writers handling this kind of stuff is what I'm trying to get at. You know what I yeah. mean? So are we really going to go to another earth just so that they can tell everybody that Felicity is the ultimate human on that earth as well? Is that what's <laughs> going to happen again for the third goddamn year in a row? Yeah. Anyway, those, uh, those are starting in December, uh, early December. The crossover is December. Yep. And it's all four <laughs> shows, right? This time, like they're actually properly doing all four shows. No, it doesn't look like legends of tomorrow is involved. It looks like it's just flash arrow and supergirl. What the fuck's the point? If you don't, you have Constantine, you don't <laughs> use. I... <laughs> because not everybody likes Constantine on the same level that you do. <laughs> yeah. But if you have him in a DC crossover context, it adds like tension and flavor to it but like yeah let's not do that that's fine it might just be that the production didn't line up this time or whatever the Probably. legends yeah. of tomorrow's production schedule just wasn't lined up with uh with the other shows but well they had that problem was it the alien invasion invasion one, like two years yeah. ago where like the supergirl episode basically was just like the, the last Nothing. 30 seconds where the flash shows up and then they leave and like the next three episodes were kind of the whole crossover and even then the arrow episode became like its own thing or not yeah it was the arrow episode that kind of went off on its own the, the, its own thing so really it's just like flash and legends that year were real like crossover stuff and then mm -hmm. whatever last year was better hopefully this year is even better i'm excited for the whole thing it's the only way i'll ever watch another episode of arrow that's pretty much where <laughs> i'm at right now Fair enough. Uh, we got some casting news on the uh, Birds of Prey movie as well. That's supposed to be coming out in like 2020. That is basically all we've known until now is there's going to be a Birds of Prey movie and Margot Robbie is going to be in it as Harley Quinn. But now we know that uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, is going to be playing She's Huntress, which yeah. is fucked up to me 
and Journey Smollett Bell is playing Black Canary. So they seem to be yeah. race swapping those two characters, kind of. Yes, a little which, bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, to an extent, which is kind of strange to me. But uh, I mean, yeah. whatever. I'm, I'm, I'll. I'll I, I agree. I mean, I'm not. There's, I mean, the thing I argue. The, with, is, the only reason I argue with it is like, especially with Huntress, Chris, like she's yeah. specifically an Italian woman. Her race like, and culture was raised is, the mob. Yeah, yeah. is very much tied to her character. So I'm just yeah. teasing so. you guys. No, stuff like that is it's a hard transition because it's like, well, are you serving yourself and like what you think people will want to see? Or are you serving the fans or like, yeah. is this just like serving the serving the character, which yeah. like, I mean, I don't actually don't mind that casting because like mary elizabeth winstead is fucking amazing so yeah, that yeah. works and I, yeah I, I, she wants to uh, pretend to be italian for a movie great yeah. i guess and then I, i'm i don't really have a problem with like a non-white black no. mary that's fine to me no especially in, in a in a contact like in a green arrow contextless kind of existence like where she's just part of birds of prey like what difference does it make it makes <laughs> no difference at that point right so yeah, so and i guess even on arrow it doesn't make that big a difference one way or the other yeah. so but yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I really like, so I'm I'm excited that she's attached to this. Yeah, I just hope they're basing it like strongly on Gail Simone's run, and that's where they center everything around because that was the run that everybody always looks back to. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Get Gail in there, fucking. Well, except Harley Quinn shit. didn't have anything to do really with that run. That was uh, that's true. Oracle, uh, Oracle Black Canary Black Huntress, Huntress, and with a couple other people dipping in and out. Yeah. A little, little Ted Korb dipping in and out in spots here and there. Good times. Good times. Good run. And then the only other thing I had, I haven't watched it yet, but it seems like something that we all watch and enjoy now. The Good Place uh, premiered this past week. Oh, it was did good. it? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, I'll need to watch that. I love yeah. that show. Yeah, I've been. Yeah, me too. That's a binger for me, though. I'll, uh, I'll wait yeah, till same. it's done and then watch it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to it wait. It takes a little bit. It takes a little bit to follow too. Like you actually have to concentrate on it. Well, at least you did in the first two years. I've heard the third year is a little different, but still good. So yeah, the third year, yeah, yeah, and quite good. That's one thing that between the first and second seasons, at least they did really well. Was they gave them like very different tones and like different settings, so it wasn't like, hey, this is just more of the same kind of thing. Like you know, yeah, more high. Yeah, because that's a danger that you fall into with a show like that, where it's pretty like, uh, what's the word? Like environment wise, it's kind of one dimensional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Show is very high concept. They they're allowed to. They, it gives them a lot of leeway to just move around and do cool stuff like what they have been doing. So, like, I I highly recommend the Good Place if uh, you yeah. haven't seen it yet. So it's very funny. I was a little bit nervous originally watching it after the first season when they gave away so much that last two episodes. I was like, Yeah, what? God, now where do they go? <laughs> why are you, why are you doing that? Yeah. Oh no, they fucking crushed it. They they stuck the landing last year. So I'm I'm all in on what they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, the, there's so many sort of interesting concepts of the afterlife in general that they can explore that they've got no fucking like dearth of subject material that they can cover. And really, at this point, it's all about like how good that group now is as a like a comic kind of like ensemble. Like they've figured each other out, kind of thing. Like they are so funny together that you can basically throw that grouping of six people in any kind of situation, and it'll probably work if the writing's still holding up because. Mm-hmm. Like Ted Dance is fucking so funny on this show. It is unbelievable. I never thought I'd say that those words out loud. <laughs> where I was like, I really enjoy Ted Danson on a TV show, but I really enjoy Ted Danson on this show. So nice. Yeah, I've been yeah. enjoying it too, and I got into it later in the game, but definitely enjoyable. Um, all right, but that was all the news I had. Unless you guys have anything to add, that was pretty intense news. 
That's my shtick, apparently, is tagging on shit to the end of the news. Yeah, yeah, it very much is. <laughs> All right, well, with that, let's move on to our Geek of the Week! Christy. Geek of the Week. <laughs> I thought Christy was just going to fucking leave me hanging there, but... No, I was waiting to see what would happen if I waited for a second. Because <laughs> I'm um, always the Geek of the Week starter. Yeah. I was like, let's see what Tim does today. <laughs> So this is the segment of our podcast where we each sort of recount the nerdiest thing that we've done in the past seven days or so. So let's go around to Mark. What's your geek of the week? I finished rewatching Daredevil and Defenders this week in my rage haze. So I was. <laughs> how was the uh, how was the Defenders rewatch? It's definitely really uneven. Like I think, but I still enjoyed it. Like I still. What's interesting about having rewatched these shows and then getting a little bit of context about the other characters is that Daredevil has always been the best show out of the three of them. Like it's the most consistently well-written out of the three, even when it's kind of at its lowest point, like at the end of season two, mm-hmm. still better than everything else the other shows are doing. So like watching defenders, I'm like, yeah, all these other stuff feels really uneven until you get to Matt. And then everything feels like it's locked in. That's where I think defenders won for me is that as long yeah, as Daredevil's on screen, he's the center of the entire piece. He's the heart of that group of characters for sure. Yeah. So when he's not there, that's when it falls apart. But I'm so invested in the Daredevil character that I'm just like, I don't care about the rest of it anymore. Just give me more of that shit. Just give me more. <laughs> God damn it. So now I have like the longest fucking 19 day wait ever for this uh, third season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it did hold up. Like I enjoyed it. So, I mean, I don't know what that says. I'm fucking right in the bag for these shows though. Like I've like pretty no. much everything. So. all right Chrissy how about you what's your geek of the week so my geek of the week is not actually my geek Uh, it made me laugh really hard though so I will say this Um, I felt pretty geek at the uh, film festival event they had uh, trailers and teasers is what they do and so what they'll do is they'll show all of the trailers over two nights from all of the films in the festival and then they'll show a full feature film at the end of each night so that was pretty cool because I got to geek out and like watch and I don't think I'll be able to see Nicolas Cage and Mandy, but the trailer looks pretty cool. But the geekiest thing that happened to me this week was Thursday, Mark and I, after we both finished work, went down to Toronto just to see my little brother who was in town in Calgary and my dad. And when we were leaving, I told my dad that he should get a Pinterest board to because he was talking about, oh, he wants a tattoo. He wants to get a leaf tattoo. Um, sleeve on his arm so I was like you should get a Pinterest board and like pin maple leaf? yeah like maple elm poplar pine and okay so not like the not the sports team no 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 he's thinking like like colors of the wind esque but um okay. so he wants to get this leaf tattoo and I was like well get a Pinterest board and pin things that you like so you can take it to your designer do you ha- do you know what Pinterest is he goes yeah I have a Pinterest I said oh yeah and he goes yeah but it's only for my Harley Quinn session <laughs> <laughs> I need to meet your dad. My I need dad. to meet your dad. Actually, what I need is a link to your dad's Pinterest he board. Yeah. He has two Harley Quinn uh, figurines at his house. <laughs> <laughs> He's bought all of the comics she's involved in. He, and I introduced him. I don't know what I've done. But like, Wait, does he have a first appearance? Does he have Batman Adventures number 12? I don't know. Maybe. That's that's worth a fair penny. I don't think so. But it's just recently. It's in the last few years. He only buys anthologies. Okay, so he's buying trades. Yeah, but he like loves her, and he has like pictures of her on his phone, and like <laughs> <laughs> this is basically since Suicide Squad. Yeah, 
No, no, before that, before that. I introduced him okay. to graphic novels and comics a few years ago because he was looking for something just different to try. And I was like, you should try comics. He was like, that's kid stuff. And I was like, dad, you just wait. No. You just wait. Yeah. And then he started reading them and he's fallen in love. Yeah. Now he is obsessed with Harley Quinn and has this Pinterest board of all <laughs> his Harley Quinn stuff. Wow. And I was dead. I thought that was so funny. I was like, of all the things. Oh, it's just hilarious. Yeah, that's, that's, that would, if my dad told me he had a Pinterest board, like for any comic book character, I would, I would be weirded out. Nah, I think it's hilarious. He's like, he has weird little obsessions though. Fair enough. So that's my geekiest thing of the week is that I have a totally geeked out dad. He wants to come to Fan Expo and I was really tempted to invite him to Dragon Con, but I think that'd be too much for him. Oh man, I, I'm like, I'm kind of trying to like figure out how like us doing Dragon Con with our parents would be like that. Would be... <laughs> my dad would love it. I would have to like restrain my dad from like making terrible comments about all the girls in skimpy costumes yeah my dad would be super excited about it you basically had to do the same thing with me the entire weekend so like what difference (laughs) does it make like (laughs) yeah your eyes were wandering quite a bit well they yeah they were they really were (laughs) guilty as charged. i don't know what to say to that guilty as charged like yeah (laughs) like attractive costumes like i'm looking absolutely looking yeah yeah. All right. My geek of the week. Um, I uh, sort of started my annual tradition of like just diving into horror movies for the month or so ahead of Halloween. So it's, it usually starts like some point in late September. I can't usually hold off until October. Uh, so just like while I've been working and stuff this week, I've been putting on like random indie horror movies and stuff like that. Mostly stuff that I hadn't seen before, just as you know as background is like tone kind of thing to get me in that spoopy Halloween mood. So yeah, some of them have been good. Some of them have been pretty fucking bad. What have you watched? Uh, I'm going to save one for my geek cred. That was uh, maybe the most interesting out of the ones I watched, but I watched two that have the same name. It's called the town that dreaded sundown. Uh, one of them was it's based on real life events, basically like serial killer in Texarkana, Texas. Oh, in, I've uh, heard this in is 19- really good. In 1946, and there was originally a uh, movie made about it, and the guy was called the Phantom Killer. Yeah, they never found him; he just stopped yeah. at one point. They did. Uh, they did an episode on last podcast about him. They talked about watching this movie. Uh, yeah, so he's really good. Yeah, the original movie was in 1976, and then um, it was basically just a recounting of the events. Yeah. And then there was a, another one called The Town That Dreaded Sundown in 2014, I think it was, yeah. that essentially metatextualizes the first one because it's that movie has sort of become a cultural thing in that area. So like every Halloween, there's a screening of it. And basically there was, you know, it's sort of, I guess, scream-ish, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe a little smarter where uh, there are these people that start, that basically start re- like bringing this killer back like they actually you know start killing people again using his same mo and everything and cool yeah it's pretty interesting that sounds awesome yeah and there are a couple others i watched this really terrible australian zombie movie called undead that i do not recommend yeah i've got your uh, your just... first recommend your recommendation is on deck for tonight like that's what i'm gonna do tonight is get that out of the way yeah. so yeah well, not get out of the way. <laughs> i want to watch it because 
I was excited about. We'll have to talk about that at the end of the episode. We're actually have to like do this. Properly. We're gonna have to get Christie's because Christie's I know, I'm is gonna be to give you guys, to I'm struggling to what to give you guys. It doesn't have to be horror. It can just be it can just be a Halloween movie. Part of me just wants to give you earnest, but you could throw that in the pool. <laughs> yeah, I might. Yeah, throw there's that in one. The pool. You know, yeah. when, at the end of the episode, we'll I'll tell you about what I'm thinking. All right. All right, because we've got Tim and I've got ours, so I know you do. Yeah, and then I I also started watching Mindhunter, that Netflix oh, series. Oh yeah, I thought was going to be a little bit more like Halloweeny than it is, no, but no. it's more straight Pretty up. Cool, though. It hasn't. I don't know if it's just because it wasn't what I was expecting, but it hasn't really been grabbing me so far. I'm like maybe three episodes in. Isn't it like super like kind of like a weird CSI kind of thing though? Not like a not like a horror. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's almost more like a historical drama kind of thing. Like, it's just recounting, like, this is kind of how the modern idea of profiling came about. And I'm not, like, one of those real, like, hardcore serial killer people. Like, apparently, Christy is. Yeah. Yeah, so like, Christy, Yay, I think, would I probably really it. like it. But uh, it hasn't been... I was hoping, I think, more for, like, a Hannibal vibe, and it's definitely not that. So is it more, is it, like, actual, like, accurate historical about, like, profiling and stuff like that? Because I've read a book about that whole background, but, like, I never... Yeah, I think I think it's basically recounting the the two guys. Okay. Um, yeah. Don't quote me on this, because I haven't done the research, but the two guys that uh, sort of really uh, revolutionized how the FBI treats uh, profiling okay. serial killers. I think I've... So. I think- there is a book. That, sorry, I mean it's probably fictionalized. To some extent. Yeah, yeah. But I think there is a book that was like the actual story about that that I've read at one point or another. So that sounds yeah. about right. It's got um, one of my musical, my Broadway guys in it. He's one. Of, he's the uh, one of the leads, the younger the guy. Younger lead. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, can see who, him being and yeah. being a musical guy. He looks. He has that that face. Yeah, he was the um, Tim. Do you know Spring Awakening? Uh, I know of it. I haven't really ever gotten into it too. Oh, okay. Well, he was also um, the voice of Sven in not Sven um, in Frozen. He was the voice of uh, Anna's love interest. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't remember his uh, that yeah. guy's name. He was also. I do remember. Yeah. He was the original King George in uh, Ham in Hamlet. Uh, Hamlet in Hamilton. Hamilton? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's like got quite the record yeah i mean it's it's really well produced and everything it's just the content itself hasn't really been grabbing me yet but it's probably it's probably all something i'll just stick with i just might not end up finishing it until i like until then you're moving yeah who's the uh who's producing that somebody big like there's a big name attached is that the fincher one um i think it might be let me look up it is written by Johnny Douglas, Mark Olshaker. Yes, uh, David Fincher is one of the producers on it. Shirley Theron is also one of the cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember hearing that show contextualized through the Fincher thing. Like it came up as a Fincher project at some point. So. It was also hugely talked about when it first came out for being yeah. a pretty revolutionary look at how to do like a dramatization of realistic events. Yeah. And it's Mark, you're right. It is based on on a book. It's based on the book called Mine Hunter, like in the okay. subtitle. That, that might actually be the book I read. Yeah, it's uh, Mine Hunter Inside the FBI's Elite Serial Crime Unit. Yep, that's the book and I read. It's funny because the character apparently is not explicitly said to have autism, but he sits on the spectrum, and that was part of the way he could get as emotionally and empathetically attacked. Um, yeah, it, attached it very much like yeah. Will Graham, but. Real. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Like the character definitely does not under well, I won't say doesn't understand human emotion, but is able to sort of detach himself pretty effectively from human emotion. I think that's one of the ways yeah. that he's really able to uh, to 
get deep, yeah get deep into the interviews with these killers and stuff like that without getting like really fucking weirded out and shit that's interesting too because like he's like a real guy who is now basically the basis for hundreds of fictional characters from yep. like will graham all the way through like fox Mulder through whatever other kind of weird profiling like kind of detached disturbed profiling guy is basically this guy just kind of transposed into other properties over and over again because it's a fascinating idea about like the cop who can get into the serial killer mind kind of thing so mm-hmm. almost a trope on its own now yeah absolutely what uh, uh what was his name apparently there's an actual one of the actual serial killers is in the production too like they brought him in to tell his own story huh. but that could have just been a rumor they might have interviewed him for context. They do some people do stuff like they do that sometimes where they'll interview the guys on like death row or whatever for context for the story if they can or they're willing to listen. They usually don't use it a lot because most of the time they're full of shit. But yeah, who knows? But sometimes when they hear that the fame is going to be attached, they get an inflated sense of ego and will tell truths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is that too. Yeah, I, I think that they're not using the original guys' like names as the characters. Um, I think they're so. I think they are fictionalizing it to some extent. But uh, the actual guys that uh, wrote that book are the ones that sort of developed their like the profiling idea, which was John Douglas and Mark Olshaker. Anyways, cool. yeah, yeah. So that was that was Geek of the Week. So with that, let's move on to our meat of the episode. I don't have a good fucking sting for this one. I didn't think it up. Oh my god. Tim. This is what you get when you record like first thing <laughs> in the morning, guys. Indeed. Pretty disappointed. <laughs> Awkward high school musical meet. It's kind of pre-high school, but okay. Yeah, it's true. Mine some of mine are pre-high school as well. So uh, I, I apologize, listeners. I failed you. Um but this week what we're talking about is uh we're going back um to some early personal experiences, formative years of your hosts in terms of our musical tastes. Uh, maybe even pre-formative years in some cases, where we're going to go back and uh, talk about some of the uh, earliest music that sort of we can remember listening to and enjoying. And like, I'm, I'm thinking more like music that was like our own music, not like music that was our parents' music that we just kind of glommed onto sort of thing. So like the earliest albums that you bought, the earliest artists that you were like, you know, into that kind of thing. Uh, I I actually mine are all albums and I fucking still have them. I'm, they're sitting. I brought pulled them all out. They're right in front of me. So it's a it's a weird feeling to hold on to these actual fucking like CDs and stuff. I I went back and listened to some of them. Holy fucking <laughs> shit! Like just holy fucking shit. There was <laughs> man. There there were some problems with Mark pre Guns N' Roses let's <laughs> that way. So uh, nice. pretty excited to hear this list. Yeah, oh, so it's fucking it's it's bad. This I think bad. this is going to overlap a little bit with our uh, out of character media from yeah. last week. So uh, well, since yeah. since Mark has already uh, already pumped us up a bit here, how how about you start us off, Mark? Uh, okay. Well, the first the first actual and this is like going back into the '90s. So this is I didn't buy a CD right away. It was a tape. Yeah. Because everything was tapes back then. Uh, this is super embarrassing. But it, the, I think the, I remember the first album I remember buying was MC Hammer. Uh, <laughs> the one with you can't touch on it. I'm pretty sure my sister I mean, and I had that on tape too. Yeah. So I had that on tape. So like, oh, fuck. Uh, when I was a kid, Michael Jackson was like the big thing. So we had all those albums on vinyl. And then when Dangerous came out. Yeah. I think that album I had, like I bought the CD. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice were like the first three vanilla ice. things that I <laughs> I definitely had Vanilla Ice. 
that I bought for myself. <laughs> and like all young white guys had vanilla ice. Fuck, it's like does not hold up. No, like, even like, like not even as kitsch. Like it's not even cute anymore. Like no, it's just I mean, like wow, this is fucking abysmally bad. I don't know what happened. Like there. Ice Ice no Baby knows. was a fucking was a fine song, but that album yeah. was fucking hot garbage. It was a fine song. It was a fine song. It was, yeah, was a fine song. And then that that cover of play that funky music white boy is just Jesus. fucking yeah. like just abysmally bad. Like just so fucking bad. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that my my first I was a I was a pop kid. I remember specifically telling my mom I would never get into the heavy stuff. I just didn't <laughs> like it. Like I was not into it at all. Like you should hear the shit I'm listening to in the background while we're talking right now. It is horrifically, horrifically heavy. Um so yeah, I was totally like, no, I'll never get into the heavy stuff, mom, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm talking to my mother. I'm a good who's boy. obsessed with Led Zeppelin. And I'm like, yeah, I'm never getting into the heavy stuff. And she's like, Oh, great. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to listen to hip hop in my house for my entire <laughs> life. A year later, all this shit gets wiped out completely by Guns N' Roses, right? Like, none of this lasts longer than maybe six months, <laughs> I hope. Yeah, my mom was uh, my mom was not happy with me listening to Vanilla Ice either. Because, uh, like, I, th- I think that was one that I might have bought, like, with allowance money or whatever on tape. And, yeah. and then she didn't realize that, like, it had a bunch of explicit lyrics on it. And she was very <sighs> protective. And so when she, like, after my first couple times listening to it, uh, my vanilla ice tape just so happened to get left on the dashboard of our car and on a hot summer day and vanilla it ice melted. melted. Yeah. How uh, ironic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's poetic justice for vanilla poetic ice. Poetic justice. So yeah, so those are so those are really like the first batch of albums that I remember buying myself or like wanting to have or like having mom and dad buy for me or whatever. Yeah. Like those are the ones where I was like, yeah, I need to have MC Hammer of Vanilla Ice and Michael Jackson. <laughs> please, please, Hammer, don't hurt him. Uh yeah, absolutely. That. Uh, so I, I think, I think I have, I actually on CD have both those Hammer albums, the one with Too Legit to Quit, yeah, and yeah. the other one. Yeah. Uh, Vanilla Ice, I only got the first one because that one didn't last too long. That yeah. was a fad. Like that was definitely a fad that kind of like came and went very <sighs> Poor quickly. Old Robert Van Winkle. Yeah, <laughs> he still tries to make it work though. You know, like he's still on TV and shit. Oh, yeah, and he just he still does like those like garbage celebrity shows and shit like that, like yep. D list celebrity oh, yeah. shows. And he's, yeah, he's still he's still out there still working, vanilla icing it. Yeah, yes, doing stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very impressive that he's managed to make this. Like, I mean, we'll call it a career in curly quotes, I guess. Yeah, but like that, it's lasted this long. <laughs> has to say something about how ridiculously over the top catchy Ice Ice Baby was that year. And I guess raising like, fucking high top. That he had. Oh yeah, that fucking pompadour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still like it because, like, I was flipping through, like, reading about this stuff, and it, like, there's, there's still an, inter- there's an interview of him saying that, like, he didn't rip off Bowie and Queen <laughs> with that song. He's like, that bass riff is not the same bass riff. Like, ours what? does da na 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 na, and there's this da na 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 na. So we changed it. It's not no, the same. Like, ah, uh, no, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. That's the same goddamn <laughs> Anyway. Uh, yeah, so those are those are my that's my I mean, I've been just exposing my fucking. Yeah, you just exposed <laughs> your entire list. I thought we were going one by one. Uh, well, that's well, well, those those two yeah. kind of go together, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Um, yeah. Just like that early, like I didn't quite I hadn't quite discovered rock and roll. Like I'm going to be into the pop music stuff that was around at the time. And that was what was the pop music around at the time. And man, it's not age well and is mortifying, <laughs> mortifying <laughs> retrospect. Nice. I don't know. I think it's pretty phenomenal <laughs> that you have exposed that to us. My list isn't going to be much better, but it will be uh, expected at least. 
<laughs> well, you don't you don't just come out with flawless music taste. You know what I mean? Like it, you have to develop that shit over a course of time. Yeah. So you can't just start and be like, no, Led Zeppelin is the only band that ever mattered. I'm sure there's somebody up there who got there, but kudos to them because some of us have to go through the awkward MC Hammer Vanilla Ice phase before we discover, you know, the good stuff. Yeah. I guess. True that. Well, Christy, how about you give us your first uh, your first entry then? Well. My, uh, I think I've said this on the episode before, sorry, I'm touching my mic. I have said this on the episode before, but my first cassette that I ever bought, the first one I ever had was 10th anniversary edition of Les Miserables, which defined me as a person. Yeah, we had a lot of those (laughs) Andrew Lloyd Webber albums floating around my house, but that was really my mom's stuff. But uh, the first one that I ever bought myself, Aqua. (laughs) That makes, yeah, that, uh, that 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 sounds about right. With such wonderful hits as Dr. Jones. Uh, <laughs> oh, what's that other one? Um, In the Heat of the Night. I-P-I-A-U, I-P-I-A. Oh, yep. Uh, Barbie Girl. You know, it, it just... Oh, what's that other one where they talk about... I can't remember. It was so good. It was so good. I just remember fucking loving that damn tape. I must have worn <laughs> it out. You should talk to Paul about this at some point, because I know the Aqua album is one that he has brought up uh, inflicting on me for the other podcast (laughs) on numerous occasions, because it was one of his first albums. And And it's fun as hell. Oh, man. See, I would. And that's the thing. What what year is that? Yeah, something like that. What year is that? 95, 96 or something like that? Uh, yeah, it's gotta be somewhere around there. It was like, like just pre Spice Girls kind of nonsense or something like that. Like, just, I don't know. I don't know what the Swedes do to their fucking pop stars to make them this like twee and annoying, but like, <laughs> they just always manage to do it. Yeah. That, that, that record. God damn. I just remember every video was on much music. Yep. All the fucking time. All the time. Because you know what? It was, in my opinion, why I think it might've happened was because there was, not like ABBA had just been like not just but like ABBA was from Sweden and they had this extreme reaction to the American public and they were also you know diverse enough that people could still like them because they were still like a group of white people like <laughs> in the 90s so <laughs> it was like apparently they were Danish and Norwegian not Swedish got it oh, okay. it's 97 oh, right. that's like the worst album to come out in, in, in 1997 97 yeah <laughs> I wasn't even 10. <laughs> Holy shit. Because <laughs> it was that in Prozac. Oh, yeah. yeah Prozac. Yeah. I, remember. I feel like I always like wow, I always man. felt like like how extremely happy and bubbly that stuff was like a direct reaction to what was going on, like in the mainstream, basically at that point, too. Like, yeah, the disillusionment and like that was yeah. fucking your OK computer came out. And well, I mean, like even before that, they were writing that in the middle of just like Cobain had just died. Like, yeah alternative music was everywhere yeah. and like people need to be facts. happy yeah the stuff that i listen to is that stuff and it is dour all the time so i'm sure like the opposite reaction to that is like aqua so that just rankled me to no end <laughs> amazing oh, amazing yeah. Yeah. you know what though for a young girl not yet <laughs> the age of 10 it was so great oh man it was so fun and like everybody would sing barbie girl or Dr. Jones, you'd be walking down the halls and someone would be humming it. And so everybody would just start like singing it. And you'd be like, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, call me Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones. Dr. 
Jones, get up. And then all the guys yeah. would be like, wake up now. It that was would, amazing. That shit was played at like all of our fucking high school dances. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't remember the Dr. Jones song. I'm trying to look it up on YouTube right now because I do not have any record. That's the one that what? had like that yodeling in it. The... Yeah, Is that the yeah. one? Oh, okay. Yeah, because like just from the intro, um, it does not sound like that. But okay, but fair. she there <laughs> I was remember one that like there, I think I remember there being like one kind of sad, moving song, and I'm trying to remember so hard what that was. You're just trying to fucking project some like decency and meaning onto this album. That's full. Oh, of happy boys marriage. and happy. I'm just looking it up now. It's Aquarium. Happy boys and happy girls. Remember, oh, Roses Are Red was really fun, too, when it was like, roses are red and violets are blue. Honey is sweet, but not as sweet as you. And Jeez. then she did that whole thing again, like, da dee da dee da da dee da dee da Well, that was just like a, a dance trope thing. at that point. Like, yeah. that was, everybody in dance was just doing those little, like, vocal riffs, riffs at that yeah. point. Yeah. But yeah, I know there were so many good ones. Ah, oh, there's so many good ones. Lollipop <laughs> Candyman. I'd forgotten about that one. Oh Jesus. gosh, now I'm gonna have to go back and listen. I'm gonna have to get on my Spotify. They all follow the exact same fucking like formula too. Like it's all just like call and answer between the the male and female vocalists. And yep, it's true. Oh wait, now I gotta look up Lollipop Candyman. No, I'm listening to Barbie Girl right now, and it's making me just want to die. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I wow, this is what the fuck. God, the 90s were a oh, I forgot about this. So good. I'm listening to Candyman in the background. What is it? Which oh, is like, right. oh, and the guy's like, I am the Candyman coming from Candyland. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It's so good. Uh, I'm going to have to listen to it all day as I'm like <laughs> prepping my ghost walk script for tonight. This is, this, this is how you get your revenge on your mark for like trolling you with Ugly Shep and shit. Yeah, that's true. You play him this garbage all day. Yeah. I'm sure he's at work. Oh my god. He's that playing was... Spider-Man right now, so he is in a uh, totally different world. <laughs> a better world, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, but, <indeed>. you know? <laughs> I uh I guess that brings it around to me then. Uh my first is a family of albums, uh, and these are compilations. Who remembers the much music dance mix? Oh, oh yeah. Fuck. Oh god. <laughs> This is this episode is me in hell. Holy shit! This episode is me. Oh in hell. my god, Tim! Tim's Tim, Tim is holding them for the camera we right had now. So many of those in the house. Like so many of those were in the house. Oh yeah. I I have ninety two through ninety five, and to be fair, ninety two and ninety three were much better. Ninety ninety four and ninety five start trailing off, but no ninety dance mix ninety two. Uh, so if we have any American listeners, so much music is like the Canadian version of MTV. Infinitely would- better always infinitely better than fucking mtv ever was so don't yeah yes it was but it was always better yo don't step yeah <laughs> and uh towards the end of every year they would put out like a, a dance mix of all like the popular dance songs from that year and so the one in 92 has shit like has a lot of fucking good shit on it. it's got like uh opp on it by night <laughs> it's got uh it's good got stuff. right here right now by jesus jones oh, it's got wow. unbelievable you're unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, it's got I'm Too Sexy. My right said Fred. Fred. Yes. Yeah. It's got uh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch yes. with good vibrations. Good vibrations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's got not one, but two, two unlimited songs. Oh, wow. It's got Get Ready for This, the like yeah. perennial jock jam. Yeah. And uh, Twilight Zone. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> Gems. And then the uh, the ninety three one has uh, "Jump Around" by House of Pain. Uh, Everybody Dance Now by CNC Music Factory. Oh, and I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember my best friend at that time. Like this, these would have come out like when I was like 11, 12, something like that. My best friend at the time, uh, Jamie Harrow, who uh, like our parents were good friends and he lived down the street. We would uh, always do New Year's Eve with their family. And so the parents would just, you know, be drinking and we'd be like, what the fuck are we going to do? So one night, uh, one of these nights, we actually like did like a whole like choreographed dance. Yes. Everybody dance now. (laughs) It was me, my sister and Jamie and like performed it for our parents and shit like that. That's amazing. (laughs) What else? It's got... Whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. I can't fucking believe you still have those CDs. It's really good. <laughs> I still have all my CDs that I buy. I still have the Aqua Tape. I've, I've, yeah. I, like, I know I have most of my CDs, and they're, they're all at mom and dad's house. So, like, I haven't, I don't know. It's just, I feel like that yeah. kind of stuff probably got, dev- like, tossed at some point. Like, the hammer and the uh, vanilla ice and this, that, and the other thing probably got launched at some point or sold, maybe. So, yeah. It's hard to say. This one also has uh, no less than two un- two unlimited songs on it, and uh, it's also got like it's got some like good like fucking classic shit too, like "People Every Day" by Arrested Development. Mm. The, I everyday people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then the fucking oh no, I guess '94 has got some good shit. It's got fucking "Shoop" on it by Salt and Pepper. Nice, <sighs> nice. That's solid. I had a copy of that tape at one point. I don't know if I ever actually uh, owned it, but I definitely had a copy of it. Yeah, so I mean, and it was just like the main reasons I got these were like, this is what my fucking friends were listening to. And like, this was like, you weren't cool unless you had a fucking copy of Dance Mix 92 or 93 or whatever kind of thing. And like, so I was, I'm, I don't think, I'm not sure if I bought the, these ones or not, if, or if like I just begged my parents to buy them for me. But yeah, definitely, definitely owned all four of those from 92 to 95. Rough, <laughs> rough, rough, buddy, rough. You guys are learning things about us this week on Dance Robot Dance. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. And blackmail us now. Yeah. <laughs> Back to you, Mark. The next bunch of stuff is a lot of soundtrack stuff. So there was a okay. period where like maybe I had discovered certain things. Like, well, we, yeah, we, we've talked ad nauseum about me discovering Guns N' Roses and that kind of transitioning over to like me finding Pearl Jam and that turning into what I like now still 20 some odd years later. But yeah, there was a little period there where like soundtracks became a big thing. So like, I'm trying to remember the one specifically. How I got into Prince? Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Pulp Fiction was one. But like, I remember getting into Prince because of the Batman soundtrack, like oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. Purple Rain would have come later. Purple um, Rain. Actually, those Batman soundtracks there was a lot because the Batman Forever soundtrack had a bunch of stuff on it too. That's I don't know if that would have count as early because yeah. '95 by then I was like well into spending every dollar I ever had on music. So. Um, yeah. But yeah, there was definitely a while like I would discover stuff off of soundtracks that I would pick up. So like the single soundtrack was the big one, probably that kind of fed a lot of the stuff that I do listen to. And then uh, that I remember buying early on, but like those Batman soundtracks, the Ghostbusters soundtracks, even the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack that had all that fucking terrible, like early 90s hip hop, like the Bobby mm-hmm. Brown stuff on it. Yeah, Bobby Brown. I had those. Bobby Brown. Yeah. And like, oh, who else was on that? There's a Run DMC song on there and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was kind of, I think that album was more my introduction to like the 80s kind of rap, like the stuff that I'd missed out on that I like now that I go back and when I do listen to hip hop, I kind of go back to that 80s and 90s stuff. And it's probably because of that soundtrack was there early on and kind of introduced me to most of the key players that were like doing stuff in like 89, 90. So, yeah. 
that fucking Bobby Brown song on our own. That's a fucking it's solid a good song, track. man. Yeah, that's a good track. <laughs> and that had uh, the uh, what Jackie Jackie Brown. Yeah, the higher. Yeah, Jackie Wilson. Jackie Wilson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like those those soundtracks were kind of like early on purchases for me. Absolutely, some scores too. Probably like the Batman score and the Ghostbusters score and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That you'd because back then for scores you had to like hunt and pay forty dollars for them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the cover of the Batman score was way cooler than the Prince one because it had like the bat wing in front of the moon kind of thing. Like it was very subtle as opposed to like the big garish, like airbrushed gold bat symbol that was on the actual soundtrack. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was those were albums that I spent a lot of time like listening to or even like we kind of like cutting songs out of and making mixtapes out of. It was probably the first time that I really did oh, that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, was with those to get all the songs that I liked into one spot as opposed to having to flip tapes or discs or whatever kind of shit that you had to do back then to get music yeah. in a sequence that you actually enjoyed listening to it in. Because Oh, yeah. I, man, I Pre-spot or like pre-iTunes, fuck me, like getting music in the right order making, sucked. Yeah, yeah exactly. Making mixtapes was like my yep. fucking life in high Same. school. Oh, yeah, like, just, yeah, I would just sit in front of like my parents had like a, a, a dual tape deck uh that was hooked up to the cd player and everything so i would just sit in front of it and like put in like a bunch of albums and like program in yep. the order that i wanted them to play in and shit like that or i would just like do it you know one one at a time there's a time when i was even fucking recording shit off my dad's old vinyl onto tapes yep. and that sort of I did thing that too, too. And, yeah yeah i did that there was stuff like i would like early mp3 stuff like i would download one song and port it up to tape like from the ox out <laughs> kind of thing just to get wow yeah, I got it. Like, I'm a nerd. And like, that's why like all this tech stuff that like we do for the recording, like, it comes so naturally to me because I would do that kind of stuff. I was like, how can yeah. I get this to this? Because I want to record it. And I would just go and figure yeah. out how to do it. So I just spend tons of money at like Radio Shack buying connecting cables to see if they would cables work and, and like yeah, hope and that they work. Yeah, like I figured there's a we were joking about this in the house this week, like between my sister and her boyfriend and I, I'm like, if you don't reach your 30s and have like a, a basket or a box which box of cables box of cables right like random yeah. cables from like your entire yeah. lifespan that will show like radio shack in 1988 alex to rca all the way through to like now where i've got USB C to display port yeah, garbage that's just laying around. guys media, media consumption yeah, that's very an, strange i have an ottoman full of that stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well you also are <laughs> engaged to a dude that has like every gaming system yeah ever. yeah your 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 box like the, the box in your house would be <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say cavernous, so I don't know if you really want to take that as a phrasing. Yeah, I'm not. No, I'm not saying phrasing because she started <laughs> laughing. That I have a heavy flow and a wide set vagina. Yeah, there you go. There it is. And a cavernous. No, box. that's from Mean Girls, guys. <laughs> yeah, we know. No. We know. But yeah, yours, your box. Sorry, your household's box, which still sounds dirty. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm done. Uh, it's gonna be massive because he's got tons of video games cables to hook up like my collection is pretty meager now and i still have like xbox 360 hookups for a component and i'm like why do i still have this like, there's no <laughs> point but it just stays there because you never know that other yeah. that proprietary connection for xbox 360 may come in handy someday indeed it's the only fucking thing it works for but yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's true uh all right back around to christy well, this uh, this one was my second tape. I think Amberly might have bought it, but I could be wrong. And it was Hanson's Mbop. God. But oh, my sister loved that one, too. If that you too. ask me to tell you any of the other songs on that album, <laughs> I would not be able to tell you <laughs> any of them. 
What, you mean that wasn't a, a instant classic? No, like, I think that I must have just rewound Mbop a gajillion <laughs> times. And I think it's so funny that it became like the hit song for teachers to actually um, abuse their students with. Did you guys what? ever have the the thing in high school or like grade seven or eight where they would just play Mbop in the halls until you raised enough money to turn it off? No. Oh, that's genius, that's that a genius idea. Because I was brilliant. I would immediately be running to whatever ATM I could get to to find as much money yeah. as possible to get that shit yeah, turned just off. Throwing money at them. Yeah. So like how much they, do you need? I am spending my whole paycheck right now. Like it's yeah. I need this over. It was one of their big biggest fundraising things of the year. The teachers came up with it and they like would fucking just torture. That's you can't that's like a human rights violation. Yeah, I think that's against <laughs> the Geneva fucking code or whatever. <laughs> but then stuff. it was so funny because there'd be people like me who'd just be like, oh yay, it's time to walk through the halls again. You're going up there like putting money in the like play play mbop longer box. Yeah. <laughs> Let's always <laughs> can this be our national anthem? <laughs> there was some guy in your school who was like your school's version of me who didn't know you but hated you just just Probably. so you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there's been a lot of those. There was like that there was that guy who was just like that girl really likes Mbop a lot. Fuck her. I can't stand this shit. Like I don't like just stop. 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 Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it's funny cuz I've actually had quite a few experiences where guys like that just don't like that I'm peppy and so They'll try whatever they can do to destroy my peppiness. I tried for an entire weekend and I couldn't get it to work. I, <laughs> I yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is it? Why? Why do you want to destroy my happiness? It's and it's like this some sick need. Yeah, there's, there's a. We, I have a problem. If <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I can't be happy, neither can you. Yeah, pretty much. And so, like, I would walk through the halls, and I bet there were people like you. They're like, how can I ruin her? Well, if you told me you liked Mbop that much, I definitely would have made a plan. Like, I would have had some kind of plan. My sister still fucking, like, goes to see Hanson in concert, like, once in a while. The thing is... I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I don't really like them other than that. I I never was, like, a huge Hanson girl, but I needed to have Mbop. That was, like... Because, you know what? A lot of people... At the time, in my age group, were like, that's what they listened to because it was such a huge hit. So to have any sort of like, what's the word? Like clout, musical clout, you had to have Mbop in your tape deck. You know, Walkman. Those those motherfuckers a few years ago had the audacity to make their own beer called Mhops. That's hilarious. That's that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean the audacity? That is brilliant. I wish I had thought about that and that I had changed my name to Taylor Hansen. God, they all look like sex criminals now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. They have not aged Christ. Well. They're like, not is, terrible looking. That is a family of date rapists right there. That's a horrible <laughs> thing to say. Yeah, especially in the context of what happened know, this week. Honest, but it those, is. those guys have all got way more yeah, pussy. That's, Absolutely. I'm, yeah, let's stay away from those jokes this week. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. We didn't bring up Kavanaugh for a purpose. Yeah. So, and, and let's be honest, all of that pussy was given entirely freely. Oh, absolutely. Those guys, yeah, they got super laid. Uh, <laughs> horrific, really. But yeah. So, but the thing is, like I said, if you asked me to tell you anything about the album, I'd be like, it has Mbop. Yeah. 1996. Yeah. That's, uh, man, there was a lot of garbage pop music out in like 95, 96, 97, eh? Like, just... 
Well, that's what I. That's when I was starting to listen to music. It was the '90s. That's why they have the jokes about '90s kids because that's what shaped us. I mean, I I yeah. kind of count myself as a '90s kid, and I was in the middle of listening to fucking Pearl Jam records in '96. So. Yeah, but you also were, you know, you had your memory was starting to be built far before the '90s. True. Like you and I'm just thinking, like, like how else could they sell us things like Slinkies? Oh, like right. they had to like brain mold you into thinking bright and pop was like the best thing in the whole wide world. Yeah. And I was already in flannel and a fucking pair Stop of jeans it. by then. Like I was just not having any of it. Not having <laughs> any of it. So Stop it. That's funny though. I remember the umbop like that fucking Definitely album was everywhere. Yeah, that song was yeah, ever. that song blew the fuck up. Yeah. It was miserable. And I don't know the lyrics <laughs> to it except for Mbop. All I know is like yesterday gone so fast. Like that's it. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure those are the actual lyrics actually. Um baby. That's it. <laughs> are they still active? Right, they actually are still active too, eh? Yeah, they let out a new album a few years ago. Yeah, said they still like tour and shit. My sister still yeah. goes to fucking see him once in a while. And they went on solo careers for a while and just did not work. No, this boy, really? Cana- this Canadian boy band couldn't get their shit together. They can- are they Canadian? Yeah. Oh, are they? That's why it blew I blew up. I don't think Tulsa, Oklahoma. Canadian. Oh, I thought yeah. they were Canadian. No, they're from the states. They were huge. Oh, like, they were. They were like an MTV band. I remember they they came up from the states. My apologies. I thought they were Canadian for some reason. Oh, uh, well, just because every Canadian station played them just as much as the American stations, it would be if you weren't paying attention, you yeah. could probably think they're from here. I guess I could. They they got the hockey hair. Yeah, that's kind of what I was they thinking. They definitely have hockey. They hair have like backcountry Canadian boy they, vibe. And the worst part is they still mm-hmm. have that hockey hair. So that's if they were from yeah, if they were from Canada, they'd be like from fucking like Saskatchewan or some shit. Yeah, they'd be they'd be from like Letterkenny. Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, loser <laughs> or something like that. Like, some hockey town. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've not aged. That's, they're kind of gross looking now. Anyway. <laughs> well, since Mark was talking about flannel and ripped jeans, I'm going to start getting into my first, like, grunge and, and alternative stuff. So there's these two albums. These aren't necessarily, like, there's probably earlier stuff I could have gone to. But these two I remember very specifically. I asked for Christmas in 1994 which is before I was really like buying a lot of my own albums and stuff like that. So, and it was Lives Throwing Copper God. and uh, and Our Lady Peace Navi. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I've still fucking got both of those too. <laughs> and I mean, the the main reason for, well, I guess it, this would have even been before fucking high school. So this would have been like, again, like grade school. Like, and I wasn't really, I wasn't really watching like much music and shit like that myself, but like my friends would tell me like, Hey, have you heard this yet? And they'd play it for me and be like, yeah, I kind of like that. So I'd go and like ask my parents for the album. And I mean, neither of them are particularly solid albums (laughs) all the way through. The beat holds up better than the throwing copper does probably. Um, Well, it's also a shorter album, right? Like uh, Naveed's only an 11 track album and uh, throwing copper is like 13 or 14 tracks. There's definitely more filler on uh, throwing copper but i mean throwing copper does have fucking lightning crashes and i alone is still one of those songs that i like the drama yeah i liked live like that album and the one that followed it uh were two albums that like i listened to a lot back then like they were on fairly heavy rotation for a while not a band i've thought about in a long time though (laughs) like it's not something that comes back up from that era at all so 
Whereas Our Lady Peace is still fucking, or I mean, Rain at least is still uh, out and making music and shit like that. They just did a big tour with Matthew Good. uh, Yeah, but I mean, Our Lady Peace was one of my favorite bands, like one of my first like favorite bands, like this, and then like uh, what Clumsy Clumsy was was the album after it. I was yeah, I was fucking like on board for both of those. I would just fucking listen to them all over. I was on the I was on the other side of a blood feud during that era, so I was I was in Matthew Goodland (laughs) camp at that point by then, especially by '97, like when he'd really kind of hit our lady peace was like they were like the antichrist to me for a little while just because like <laughs> all the other bands hated them well, did they have a feud between, yeah, between, them or between was matt just... and, uh, like between the mgb and uh our lady peace yeah there was definitely like matt trashed them constantly and like the our lady peace just because it was like folky and no because like... they were like put together by the producer right like they weren't really like a band that kind oh, of, yeah, like, yeah, came yeah. together so like a lot of the canadian bands had an issue with them like they got a lot of shade from a lot of my like bands that I still talk about, so, like Tea Party and like I Mother Earth and stuff. Our Lady Peace was always the odd man out. They were always the most popular because Rain's pretty and they wrote kind of poppy rock songs that like and, that and made Rain's you feel pretty pretty. Yeah, right. So like, but like all the other they had bands, like a yellow card vibe too going on for a while. Uh, oh yeah, like later on after Mike Turner left, they absolutely yeah did. yeah. There's there's stuff post Mike Turner is just fucking nightmarish. There have been a few bands, like Canadian bands like that, that have really just tried to adapt to different styles and have never really done it well. Like Trouble Charger oh, did that really God, hard fuck, too. That, that that was the like one that made me went, sad. Like, pop yeah, that made me super sad. Because well, I love that that original that first uh, Trouble what self equals title that first uh, Trouble Charger album was fucking self equals title. There's like an EP in between, and then maybe it's me are all super solid. And then like the next one's got a couple good songs on it, but that's where you can tell Greg Norrie had taken and over. Like American Psycho. Well, that's the next one like is that. the American Psycho album, which got like yeah. three good songs on it. But you can tell that's where Priddle had just like quit basically, and it had become like yeah. the Sum Forty One Greg Norrie show, and that's kind of what Trouble Charger yeah. became and sad because i love those first like the first like three releases they did as treble charger spectacularly good albums so yeah yep yeah throwing copper man i've been um, talking about that record yeah. in a long time yeah but i mean those two like those were just on like that that album cover on throwing copper in particular on both of them really are pretty fucking iconic album covers for yeah our i still picture the clumsy one first or for our lady piece like that album was so fucking big like for a long time that uh, it was actually the first time I ever saw a lady piece was that tour was the clumsy tour because everybody went like everybody went yeah so yeah yeah I got dragged to that show at some point in time <laughs> all right back around tomorrow well now I'm I'm out of embarrassing stuff now because like the first actual album I did buy my like I'm picturing the CDs now was the Guns N' Roses like the first four albums I think like the so Appetite Lies and then the two Illusion albums were out so I kind of scooped those were the first like actual rock albums I bought for myself. Uh, and that has obviously like, I've seen them now finally and stuff like that. Those albums were on constant fucking rotation though. And I, they don't come up very much anymore because why would they? But yeah, for those years, like pre grunge, that's all I listened to was basically like that. And I think I kind of, I had the black album too, uh, the Metallica record. So I was veering yeah. that way pre grunge, I think. And those were like the the first like batch of albums that I had that kind of made me a rock and roll guy, I guess. And that was kind of my thing for a couple years before, uh, like the all the Pearl Jam and like Nirvana stuff hit. So all GNR, all GNR, all the time, man. Yeah. So like, well, like this past like the past two years where they've gotten kind of back together with Slash and stuff has been very cool for me because I never got a chance to see them live. Like that was always like the one big band that I never got to see live kind of in what a, a form that I would consider the proper form where at least Slash yeah. is back kind of thing. And like having Duff there too is cool. 
But those albums, man, they actually hold up. I listen to them still occasionally. Like they'll come up and I'll pick off songs here and there or like right before uh, I go see them because I've seen them three, two, two or three times since they've gotten back together. Go back and refamiliarize yeah. yourself with the beat. I'll go back and, and like listen to some of this stuff and be like, oh, you know what? I still enjoy all of it. Like it all still sounds good. Some of Axel's lyrics are like extremely questionable, like <laughs> very questionable. But like the actual overall. In content, yeah, like he's or in quality. no, well, quality. He's always a decent writer, but like the content is always like he has some real like weird homophobic and like anti women kind of tendencies that I'm like not yeah. comfortable with in 2018 versus where I probably was yeah. in 1988 or whatever. <laughs> in 1988, when you were like, girls yeah, are gross. Seven, seven years old, all all seven <laughs> years old. I do like those are the the albums that I remember like my parents not having any issue with me listening to, in spite of the content. Like that's when I think like my parents. My mom's going to hear this and like probably post on the fucking Facebook page something embarrassing. Love the mom. Karen's best. Yeah. Um, but like they just ignore, like, because there's really bad shit on some of these albums. And they were just like, no, as long as he doesn't start acting out doing anything, he can listen to whatever he wants. And I was like, that's a questionable decision. Like in retrospect, <laughs> like in retrospect, I'm like, I don't know if I'd be letting my fucking nine or 10 year old listen to Axl Rose talking about burying his dead girlfriend that he just murdered. I don't. You're, you're why Mark is like this. Yeah, nah, Karen's great. I love her. But yeah. <laughs> For for better or for worse, no judgment. I think she, I think she was just happy that I was listening to rock music, so that like I could get into like stuff that she liked. Like she was just excited. It was like, oh, I can once he grows up a little bit, I can introduce him to stuff because that's where like she started pumping me with like Led Zeppelin and like U two became more like became a big thing because that's the other one around this area. It wasn't mine, but like the first actual CD that got bought and brought into the house was Octoon Baby, so it was getting played constantly, mm-hmm. and is probably part of the reason why that album is basically part of my operating system now like it's seared as part of my personality because it just got played almost on a loop in the house for like months because it was like the only yeah. cd we really had so yeah those albums whew, those are still albums that are with me in a lot of ways so unlike a lot of this stuff which seems to have very much dropped yeah it's it's, it's really funny too because like the the throwing like when you mentioned throwing copper in another piece i'm like i definitely had those albums and i did spend a lot of time listening to them back then and like it was stuff that like people yeah. like your friends would listen to like you're all like fans of this stuff but, like a lot of it was disposable apparently in the long run for most people some people glommed onto it and stuck with it like me because i'm weird but like for the most part it's just it's all gone now you know what i mean like yeah you can go pick it up on spotify and listen to it if you want to like have a nostalgia moment but like it means nothing to anybody. So yeah. Hmm. Just as a as an aside, uh, I'm sitting here reading or filing and pricing comics while we're uh, recording, and uh, I just came across <gasps> Sand- Sandman. Oh my gosh! One. Is almost a hundred dollar yeah. book. That's now. crazy. That's awesome. From 1989. I have not yet read it yet. I need to. Let's get back to it. I guess it's my turn, huh? Yeah. Let's. Uh, it's, yeah, Christy's turn. So one of my first albums, I actually. I think I picked this up in a bin. You remember those like five ninety nine bins that they had at things like what's it called? Oh, what was the what was the place called that HMV. HMV thank you, thank you. My brain just shut down. Yeah, you'd be amazed how much of my collection was based out of like me pulling weird like yeah. wonder shit out of those five ninety nine bins, kind of like a couple years later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like I pulled out Stunt by the Very Naked Ladies. <sighs> All right. They're, that was the second one, right? Second. Yeah. Well, why, why it's do you... like their like. Well, it's their second big album. Yeah, it's their second yeah. label album, I think. Yeah. Why did you make that noise, Mark? 
I, I'm not a. That's the like we we talked about stunt before, have we not? Like it was in your album list, yeah. right? Where like it was, it was, yeah. it was one of those albums somebody bought for me, thinking that I was just because I like Canadian music. <laughs> that I would oh be right. It. This is like 1998 or 99 or something like that when that had come out, right? Like, True. It was 90, 98. Yeah, 98. So I was like, um, great, thank you. I listened to it once. I don't actually you know what? I don't even think I listened to it once. I think I'd still in the shrink wrap somewhere. So <laughs> uh, you know what though? Like I, I feel like it's probably it's, super valuable now. <laughs> it's hard because yeah, like Spotify. Yeah. yeah. Stunt was um like uh, sure, it wasn't it wasn't uh, as strong or as tight as Gordon, but we're good. Okay, <laughs> Thank okay. You, <laughs> but I, it still had some really good tracks on it. It did, and it was Very like poppy. Like that's their like yeah. super poppy album, right? I think the thing was that it, it just didn't tie together the same way the rest of their albums did. Like it wasn't cohesive. It felt more like a compilation album of like yeah. Hits? It felt like a greatest hits. It felt like a greatest hits record. Uh, yeah. When I ever I've actually yeah. had, I think I listened to it after we talked about it on the episode, and I was like, "Man, this is like, there's a lot of singles on this. Like, there's a lot of singles on this. Yeah, like one right. week, it's all been done. Call and answer, alcohol, so many, and when you dream is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So like, it's still a good album, but when you look at the rest of the anthology or the discography of the Bare Naked Ladies, it's not they're one of their strongest for sure. But for me, it was my first like experience with the bare naked ladies and i bought it because i recognized that it had one week and it's all been done yeah and was like obsessed with those two songs so yeah i feel like when uh when i bought it it was just easily like i thought we were recording early so that so you'd be awake christy when i bought it it was easily (laughs) one of my favorite albums because it was just like it was fun it was a fun listen sure all right (laughs) we'll go with that I'm, uh, I'm all there for that. <laughs> My next one is definitely a peer pressure album. This was grade nine. And uh, I was, I'd played like basketball for three or four years at that point. Like just the CYO league. Oh yeah, you super um, strike me as a basketball guy. Yeah, definitely. I'm super tall. But I was I was like a scrappy little point guard. Like I was terrible at, at scoring. Yeah. But I could like get down and like get the fucking ball away from people. Mm-hmm. Not that I was like great or anything, but like that was the thing that I was better at than the actual, you know, getting best. Yeah, there's like that, that's um, like me. The only thing I was good at at basketball was defending directly under the post, like playing center and just being like playing defense, smacking and just beat, smacking, smacking bitches down. around. Yeah, basically just knocking people around yeah. a little bit was the only thing I was good yeah. at on the basketball court. So I still enjoy playing though. I like I always like basketball the best. So uh, yeah, it was the well. No, I guess I ended up liking probably football more in the I end. Fucking but, hate um, football. Oof. <laughs> I was half decent at football because I have a low center of gravity and I was pretty sturdy. So like I made a good, made a solid linebacker. There was about a year, like that grade 10, grade, grade nine, grade 10. I think I, I was so much bigger than everybody else that like, it wasn't a lot of fun for me to play. Cause I would just fucking crush people. <laughs> just, yeah. Especially like we came back for grade um, 10. I was like six and a half. Like I was this height at 15 or something like that. So I was like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this. Like I don't not, whatever. Anyway, it's no yeah. fun yet. But so, I, and because of that, I was like, oh, maybe I'll try out for the, uh, you know, high school, like basketball team, like the junior team. And uh, I tried out and didn't get on the team, but they sort of offered me, I think I was like the only person that didn't get on the team or whatever out of all the people that tried out. And so they're like, well, do you want to be like the manager of the team? You still get to like go to like games and stuff like that. It's just, you're basically the fucking water boy or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, okay, sure. Like me just fucking wanted to be like 
hanging around the cool yeah. kid jo- jocks and whatever, not realizing at that point that they were all fucking assholes yeah. that would eventually stick gum in my hair on a uh, bus trip. And so they all fucking like in the locker room and shit would just blare license to ill by the beastie yeah. boys. And like, I was like, fuck that's this. Like if I got nothing else out of that, I was like, that's a fucking good album. I'm going to get my parents to or get, I think I probably bought that album. Yeah. Myself. I don't think you're uh, you're so still super have protective copy. parents were going to buy you license to fucking yeah. ill. <laughs> At any point no. in your life, Tim, like you could probably ask them for it now, and they'd be like, "My dad probably, my dad probably yeah. would, my mom." Like even now, I bet you your mom would be like, "There's probably profanity in that. I'm not buying it for you." I could, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I mean, I still have my original copy, and uh, it's all the uh, the paper in it is all fucked up, and I remember exactly why it was on one of those like basketball like overnight trips or something like that. Like we were going to play somewhere else, and I had shampoo in my bag, and the shampoo exploded. And it got all over my album and like just warped all the paper. So now the paper's all like water damaged with shampoo nice. to this day. <laughs> nice. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, that fucking album is outstanding. Like it's got like, it's got girls, it's got Fight for Your yeah. Right, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, fucking Brass Monkey. Yeah. It's, uh, that is uh, like, this is probably my favorite. I don't know if that or Ill Communication would be my favorite Beastie Boys is, album, but they're both. Which one's Root Down on? That's Ill Communication, right? Uh, Root Down is not okay, this one. I, I think Root Down is. I have ill communication. I have all their stuff. I'm just trying to remember where songs fall in their discography now. So. Yeah, I think I think the main ones I have are uh, I've got Hello Nasty, this, and Ill Communication are the only Beastie Boy albums that I like own. Physically. Yeah, I own them all physically. Just I think it was one of those ones where like I found a bunch of them in the 5.99 bin, like right before uh, Hello Nasty came out, and was like, Yeah, all right, I need to fill this part of my just yeah. got my collection out anyway, so I may as well grab all three or four of these and have them. So. I love those records. Those old Beastie Boy albums are fucking amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that one fucking like License to Ill came out when I was fucking 10 years or five years old. It came out in 86. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Well, same thing. And it was like Guns N' Roses was 87. Like I, I, we were six years old when that yeah. record came out. Like, why do I have any yeah. fucking fondness for it whatsoever? I should not, but still love it. So yeah, it's weird. So, I mean, I think in that like trajectory there, you can kind of see like my musical taste starting to take shape. Mm-hmm. Like going from like I've got some poppier stuff in there, and I still like some poppy music. I've got like the more like alternative, like grungier stuff, and I still like some of that. And I still love me you know, some like uh, old, like old school yeah. hip hop and shit like that. And so that's uh, I think these like sets of albums are three like real ha- has sort of developed into pillars of my musical taste going forward. Yeah. Mine probably not so much, but like the last <laughs> one, yeah. Really, MC Hammer yeah, and, uh, and Vanilla Ice not pillars of your current. Uh, not, business. not really. No, not, not too much <laughs> overall. Yeah, it's, it's more like because my next set would really be like those first two Pearl Jam albums, like getting ten and verses, kind of because like we, I had ten before verses came out, but like getting those two was very much like that was it for me. Like that was that's home, and everything from there is influenced by me having bought those albums. Like that's the beginning of me becoming the horrific fucking music nerd that has a music podcast and you guys can't stand talking to music about because whatever it was those first two like Pearl Jam albums that just solidified that whole thing. So like from then on, it was like I started getting into Soundgarden, got into kind of got into Nirvana, never was a huge Nirvana guy, Alice in Chains, like, and then the whole alternative thing that morphed into the Canadian alternative scene later in the nineties, like that all starts with Pearl Jam. Well, it kind of starts with Guns N' Roses, basically starts with Pearl Jam and then moves forward. So yeah. 
Yeah, like Navid was my first probably like Canadian alternative album, and then from there I got into like I did get into shit like Trouble Charger and Tragically Hip and Sloan and up to here was in the house. We had the hip in the house, and that was kind of my gateway, like from Pearl Jam to the hip, and then out to like Matt and the Tea Party and through there. Like the the hip was my gateway to the Canadian side of everything, and Pearl Jam was my gateway to everything else kind of thing. So those first batch of albums, and then like also um, having my mom in the house who was buying some of this stuff too didn't hurt or help kind of thing so because she would be picking up yeah. hip albums and like whenever you two put something out that was in the house and eventually her back catalog of stuff like zeppelin and that that got filled out too so i had access to that that was kind of influential on how i listen to music now so maybe we're due for another album of uh of like nerdery that we in- inherited from our families kind of things i think we've uh we've de- we definitely had more to talk about on that yeah, well the music was like the biggest one for me absolutely like music and books were the two that were like the biggest thing but music definitely was like mom once i got into this stuff the way i am now like that's when mom and i kind of clicked on a musical level i guess and she we started kind of like her i've said this a million times but her ipod like i walk into the house sometimes and i'm like wow that's nine inch nails that's just fucking blurring at the top of the goddamn volume level absolutely that the all the neighbors can hear that my mom put on <laughs> who's in her 60s <laughs> so it's nice. interesting yeah i got to make uh well i didn't get to make mark jealous this week but i did have a couple friends that got to see uh jesus and mary chain and nine inch nails Fuck. playing Jesus. in atlanta this god week. damn it fucking play in toronto Fuck. <laughs> especially just to see the jesus and mary chain uh, again that would be fucking sweet like on its own but like the fact that trent's playing perfect mm-hmm. drug right now god Damn it, you bastard. Come and play in Canada somewhere so I can see you. <laughs> but I don't know. Do we want to do another round or we want to just uh, leave it there? Should we do our honorable mentions? Sure. I've got a couple that I don't have a lot to say about, but that I could at least throw out there for public. Okay. Because I'm, I'm basically yeah. tapped out at this point now. Like, yeah, like, like I said, like from now like, at that point, like post soundtracks and Guns N' Roses, I buy Pearl Jam and I become me at this point, basically. So. There's not much, too much embarrassing shit in there. I do have some Creed records, but that's like missteps in my future. You know, musical missteps. Maybe we can do that episode at some point. (laughs) Musical missteps. My first like serious girlfriend, which was like towards the end of high school, uh, our like song was higher. She's so, not that one, no. Nope, higher. He's talking about Creed. Can you take me higher? Yeah. Yeah. I had those I had those first two Creed records. The same with um the other ones embarrassing. Uh Nickelback. I own the first like three Nickelback albums too. Oh, I never I've never owned a Nickelback. I can I can Their safely first say that. Three, I still maintain the state, the first one before they got popular, is actually not a bad hard alternative album. They go to dog shit after that, but like that first one, I'm like, there's like four <laughs> songs on there that I'm like, these are pretty good. Man, you guys suck now. <laughs> suck now. <laughs> you guys are funny. Anyway, I guess my honorable mentions would just be like the Moulin Rouge soundtrack, like never left my my CD player, like ever. Your multi disc. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Coldplay, Russia Blood to the Head. Okay, that's late. But yeah, yeah, but uh, oh, but she's, a, she's younger than younger. But the yeah, the other two like weird ones were that I and I mentioned this in our first musical episode or music episode. I would put on the reason I learned to use the record player was because I wanted to listen to Spanish Train by Krista Berg. Oh yeah, you've talked about that before. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Um, also and other songs. Yeah. isn't that what the album's yeah. called? Spanish Train. Other tough stories. Sit. That album's a tough sit. I'll just have you all know. <laughs> Good though, if you're like grew up with it. 
Good. I'm glad you're doing the hard yeah. work for us on this. Well, and then um, the other taking yeah, my other weird one was that, um, and it kind of got me into audiobooks. Was a vinyl reading of Edgar Allan Poe's stories. That's kind of that's weird. Huh. Okay. Yeah, my dad had a vinyl of it, and it was. I would listen to it constantly. I preferred it to music. I always loved listening to stories. So like, yeah, but that's that. I don't think that one counts in this case because that's your dad. No, stuff. but like it, you it, you say it's your dad's it's stuff. But you're saying stuff that we listen to kind of like on our own, and I didn't need to buy it because okay. sure. my dad owned it. Yeah, and he didn't introduce it to he me. I found it. I found it of my own volition in his <laughs> uh, collection. Yeah, but fair enough. Anyway, those are mine. <laughs> Um, I've got a couple more pretty fucking embarrassing dance albums. Do you guys remember Scatman John? No. Oh yeah. You wait. You own that? I had. I have Scatman's World. Well, you're officially CD. not uh, ever invited on Side A Side B ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I do, and I I I bought it and I listened to the shit out of that fucking album. And I think it was probably like a combination of like my grandparents like swing and uh, like jazz interests and stuff like that i was like oh this is kind of like that but like more poppy and like the i've i've always been interested in like scat vocals kind of thing it's just scat cool that people yeah and i mean people that can do like do it like really intensely or like super fast or whatever and he was that dude was really good at that but yeah in retrospect that's not so good <laughs> uh and um there was also that like one summer, I guess would would have been like ninety four, ninety five, something like that, where there was those like. Oh, sorry. This it's. I was thinking when you were gonna start talking about uh, ah shit, like the Brian Setzer Orchestra, like all the swing stuff. Like you were gonna start like I was no no I, something like that. And I was just gonna have no. To, like, I never I never had those. I like swing dancing, but I like like swing dance to like actual like old fucking good swing music, okay. not like the uh, yeah more poppy later stuff. No, but there was that like summer where there were a few different like country dance songs. Like there was like Cotton Eye Joe uh, and a couple others. And one of them was called Swamp Thing. And it was entirely instrumental by a band called The Grid. It was like this electronic uh, English electronic group. Uh, And I bought that fucking album. (laughs) Because I loved that fucking Swamp Thing song. Sorry, you guys can't see me face palming like as hard as possible. <laughs> For the life of me, I cannot remember. I I could not like recall any of the other songs on this album, but I can still remember that fucking Swamp Thing song. Wow, wow Tim, wow. <laughs> and I'm sure there's others I could have dug out if I really wanted to subject myself to further ridicule. But I think that's enough for mm. one week. Concur. Agreed. <laughs> But yeah, so with that, uh, let's close out our meet and move on to our geek creds for the week. Christy, what do you want to recommend to people this week? Uh, what do I want to recommend to people this week? Um, I would recommend... Last year I suggested Telltale because it's closing. I would recommend, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again, and just not with geek cred, but just in general. If you don't have the time to read, go Buy or download the audiobook for The Name of the Wind by Nick Podell. It's a really, 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 really good read. And he does both that and Wise Man's Fear. And he gives a really great voice to Quoth. And uh, it's like, you know, 30, 40 hours of listening easy. So if you're driving and you just want to like expose yourself to a really good story, that's, and like I said, you don't really have the time to pick up a book. That's a really, really good way of taking in the, the world. He does a lot of justice to the characters. Why would I want to show my dick to an audio? 30 to 40 <sighs> hours. 
I think it's is it that long? Let me check. That seems like um, the eternity for an audiobook. Hours. Like how long is it? It might book? not be that long. Let me let me look. No, it's probably not gonna be that long. <laughs> Wait, what what uh oh twenty seven hours and fifty four minutes. Oh, twenty seven hours. That's twenty seven oh, hours. That's a lot of goddamn listening, man. That's a lot of listening. But it's real good. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and which which series is that again? Is that your King Killer Chronicles? Come on, people. Chronicles. All right. I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> Are you though? Yes. I go and listen and watch the stuff you guys tell me to watch. No, you what don't. Are you talking about? Have you watched? Um, have you watched fucking? I watch Clerks. When can we do the Kevin Smith episode? Like in November, we're doing it like the first week in November. Then she's lying. She absolutely is. If we could see her face right now, she's not on webcam right now. If we could see her face right now, we'd be able to tell that Christy's bald face lying. I have nothing to say to you. I've been telling you to watch this. I've been telling you to listen or read this book for two years, and you won't do it. Thirty hours, Chris. I went and watched thirty hours. Like that's a lot of listening. Thirty hours. Yeah, but you're someone who listens to podcasts constantly at work. You always talk about how many podcasts you listen to at work. And Tim drives constantly. Tim is always on the road. In our chunks, and then fucking NPR and shit. Yeah, you don't have to listen to the book at once. It's not like you have to sit down for 30 hours and do nothing else. Have you met us before? I'm so <laughs> disappointed in all of you. I just uh... <laughs> Nice. All right, Mark, what's your geek cred for this? I don't I actually have one. So I'm just going to recommend go on your Spotify, uh, type in Jerry Cantrell, and listen to uh, Degradation Trips uh, Volumes 1 and 2. It's 25 songs long. It is not accessible. But if you like heavy music, you should probably give it a shot. It's very much like the sequel to the Lane Staley era of Alice in Chains. Like it's that kind of direction. So it is not for everybody. But if you like that kind of stuff, go give it a shot. Because I've been listening to it for the last couple of days and it is really good. Really heavy, but really good. All right. For my part, I'm going to go way off into indie horror area. One of the indie horror movies that I actually just finished watching right before we started recording was a movie called Antiviral from... It's pretty recent. I think like 20, 2012. French-Canadian, actually, although it's not in French at all, but it was filmed in French Canada. And it's this sort of like weird dystopian future sci-fi horror movie where celebrity has gotten so out of control that people want to be infected with the same Ugh. strains of like viruses and like herpes and shit like that that celebrities have just to feel like closer to them. And uh, they also eat meat that has been cloned from these people. So you could have like a steak cloned from like your favorite celebrity and shit like that. (laughs) And goes like way off into like, yeah, these companies that have like monetized the experience of like having the same illness as like your favorite movie star or musician or whatever. And it's uh, pretty, yeah, it's, it is fucking weird, but it is also, it's really well executed. It's really well produced. He is actually, it's actually the uh, directed and written by Brandon Cronenberg, who's the son of David wow, Cronenberg. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a fucking Black Mirror episode. It very much feels like a Black Mirror episode, oh, but okay. a f- couple years before Black Mirror started. So, okay. yeah, if you like that kind of like sort of weird dystopian, like technological kind of horror sort of thing, then uh, up my it'd, alley. Yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be pretty cool. So. Yeah, if uh, if that's the kind of thing you're into, Christy, I'm not going to recommend it for you because there's definitely no. a fair amount of body horror in it. No. 
But uh, anybody that is into that kind of weird, offbeat, indie horror kind of stuff, then go check it out. Cool. Do we want to get into this now? Like, do we want to tell the people what we're doing? Is that what we should do now? Before we sure. Uh, let's do it. Should we do it now or should we do it next episode? Well, we, we should be starting next. episode next. is going to be the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So, yeah, so this was Mark's idea that was uh, for the month of October, for the next three weeks, um, each of us are going to pick one horror movie that the others are going to have to watch and sort of review and, you know, give our thoughts on uh, and uh, and feelings on that kind of thing. So I have picked a Canadian indie horror movie called uh, Pontypool that is also like pretty fucking weird and high concept. Which I'm excited for, though, because Bruce McDonald is a fucking boss filmmaker and uh, yeah. he made Hardcore Logo, which is basically like the Canadian indie rock Bible. So, and it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's weird. And, and part of the reason that I, I assigned it is because I feel like I need to rewatch it to really like absorb it better. Cause it's a pretty fucking like deep movie. Mark, what have you chosen for us to watch? So the movie that I've assigned for the guys to watch is just going to be hereditary because uh, I've been living with that horror for the last couple weeks. And I feel like I should share that with the guys. Cause it's an extremely well-made movie. Like I think it's, it harkens back to those 70s horror movies that I like a lot that are actually like scary, like proper scary, like they get in your head a little bit. So mm-hmm. uh, Hereditary is definitely going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited to hear Christie's reaction to it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and Christy, what are you, you're getting put on the spot now because I know you haven't decided yet. What are you going to assign for Mark and I? Well, you know what? I think listeners are going to have to wait for my choice. They're gonna have to wait because I've got three or four. One is a goofy, like a goofy, hilarious Halloween romp, and then I've got three others that I'm kind of toying with. But one of them is a body horror that I was forced to watch once, and I'm like, ooh, maybe I should make them watch this. So (laughs) I don't know. I have to think about the four that I have, and then I will let the listeners know next week because I will not be the first one to suggest. Yeah. So for next week, I'm. You are supposed to be the first one, though, because you're due to host next week, Christy. Oh, am I supposed to be the first one? Okay. Yeah. Well, then they'll have to have a surprise. All right. So we're also going to put up a poll where we have picked other movies. So for the last Halloween episode, like the actual Halloween episode that week anyway, we will have put up a poll with three other movies that we have picked that we'll let you guys pick um, by voting you in this vote poll. on which one. Yeah. Which one we need to watch. Yeah. Uh, so, so Tim and I have picked yeah. ours. Uh, we'll put the poll up when Christie's picked hers, I guess. I mean, I've already picked, we we're all just say it's American werewolf in London and Tim was, and I picked nightmare on Elm street, the yeah. original slasher. So once Christie makes her picks, we'll put a poll up that lets you guys decide what we watched that last week. And then we'll talk about that at Halloween. Uh, I guess next week we'll find out what Christy is going to be. I think once Christy decides, we'll we'll post on our Facebook page so that if anybody does want to like watch ahead of the episode, they can. Yeah, we can do that, and they can. Yeah, so cool. All right. Well, with that, uh, we will thank everybody for listening. Uh, if you uh, have any feedback for our episode, if you have embarrassing musical tastes in your history and yeah. your music history, then let us know. You can hit us up on Facebook, which is where we're most active, which is facebook.com slash podcast. You can tweet at us at drd underscore podcast. You can email us at dancerobotdancepodcast at gmail.com. If you are not already subscribed to our podcast, you can do so on Shout Engine or Stitcher or the Google Play Store 
or Apple Podcasts or most places that podcast may be found. Um, with that, again, thanks again for listening, guys. Everybody say good night. Say good night, Mark. Good night, guys. Oh, sorry, I'm not Mark. That's <laughs> Mark just had a sex change really quickly there. He wouldn't sound like that. He would sound far like sultry or, like, or... Kathleen Turnery. Yeah. Like this. Um. Good night, everybody. everybody. <laughs> good afternoon. I don't have a self conviction <laughs> voice like Tim does. So. <laughs> All right. Have a good week, guys. Don't feel guilty for liking what you like, even if it might be embarrassing later in life. Well, no, you should feel. If you're it bad. was vanilla ice, you should feel bad because I feel bad. That's what Aqua should make a fucking beer called. IPIA? Yeah. <laughs> How do you know they haven't in their native country already? Oh my god. There's, Outstanding. IPIA. <laughs> Such a good idea. IPIA. Trademark dance robot dance. Yep. True that. Okay. Good night, guys. Bye.